The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. I think that's about it. It's almost like it could be its own episode but of BGN Radio, but we'll just call it an off-topic Tuesday. I suppose uh, the, the questions did not work out. With Twitter's just Twitter's notification system just dying upon me asking that, so that I mean that's really disappointing. Well, why not just look at all the responses in the tweets? You know what I mean? Just I can't. Like, I tried doing that, and they're not showing up for me. Like it just on both the the Twitter uh, thing client I use, Tweetbot, and then uh, online too. But whatever. I have like five questions here, so we can get to those, and it doesn't have to be super long. So let me tell you how annoying I find it that you can just like on like the hour you're gonna do a mailbag episode just be like hey send me some questions and you just get them because like back in my day when we were clawing <laughs> our way up in the podcast world like an hour before not an hour like a day before we had to do a mailbag episode we'd start it we'd retweet it eight different times please send like me questions. questions exactly <laughs> and blg is just like look at my seventy thousand followers <laughs> you ready to get started bud i was born ready let's hit it you're listening to bgn radio radio, radio. So here we are back on episode number two of Off Topic Tuesday on BGN Radio slash Bleeding Green Nation slash whatever you want to call this podcast feed. Those are literally the only two options. Those are the only two options, but uh, as uh, you just heard, I am joined today by Benjamin Solak. Ben, how are you doing on this? Wait a minute. It is Monday today, but this is for tomorrow. So I guess it's it's a kind of an off-topic Tuesday, but not really. I don't know. I'm doing well, though I appreciate you updating me on what uh, day of the week it is because the Eagles played on Thursday, as you know, and then I asked you for the schedule for practices. Oh, boy. And uh, okay, so they played Thursday, week three. Week two, they played Thursday, players day off on Friday, and then they practiced on Saturday. So I just assumed that would happen again. So you sent me the schedule. It was on like Thursday or Friday, you sent it to me. And the first day just started with an S. So I was like, that day must be Saturday. <laughs> so I came rolling into the Novacare complex uh, this past Saturday at like, you know, like 1130, 12 o'clock is when the, the Doug presser was going to be. 
and I go into the media shack and it's completely dark. And I was like, oh no, I'm so embarrassed. I must be like late and the lights must be motion sensor lights and nobody must have brought their bags today, right? Like I immediately assume the problem is not me, it's somebody else. And then I looked at the schedule and I realized that, uh, yeah, there was no practice that day. There was no presser, but I have like shaky Wi-Fi in my apartment and I needed to upload a big file that would have taken hours at my apartment. So I sat in the dark media shack and uploaded a file to Google Drive being like, I hope nobody comes in here and is like, what, you know, evil <laughs> trickery <laughs> hacking are you up to right now? Ben, there's definitely a light switch by like the door. No, there <laughs> you know, is. 100%. There is. No, I found it. But okay. I, I thought if I put it on, I would be revealing that I had broken into the media shack. <laughs> I mean, I think it's fair to you. I mean, they, they let you in, right? Like they didn't stop you. I so mean, I think it's, I think it's yeah, fair to use. The fence was open, and then I have the code to get into the door. But still, I, mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm making all this up as I go along. So Man. I was I was not going to tip my hand. And this is after I put you in the winner section last week. I mean, now I just feel like not vin- the opposite of vindicated, whatever that would be. Uh, yeah. Disgraced. You know, maybe. my mother. My mother had a uh, had a point against that, which was how could I be in the winner section and then all of my guys be in the loser section? Am I not one of my guys? And I thought that was a very compelling case. I don't look. Well, after this story, I mean, I might have to just correct that and put you move everybody into the losers. Maybe column. I'll put you into the I don't knows, like you do for your posts. I'll just I'm gonna put you in the I don't knows temporarily. Although you are always a winner in my book, Ben. Um, we are going to get into some on-topic stuff today here, as we always do on off-topic Tuesday. I know that's very confusing, but there's some Eagles. There's a lot of Eagles. I don't want to say like big news, but some things we need to talk about here, starting with the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, which for some reason people want to talk about. I don't know why they would want to do that. Carson Wentz, Ben, is being called doubtful by Peter King in his Football Morning in America piece. He also went on the Dan Patrick show and said that he feels like he might not play till week three. Meanwhile, we are seeing Carson Wentz and well, we're not seeing it, but Mike Rowe, offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, said that Carson Wentz and Nick Foles are still splitting first team reps with 10 days to go until the Eagles open their season. Ben, how where are we at with Carson Wentz? How are we feeling? Yeah, so I had a weird experience with Carson today because I was watching him throw, which he's never not been throwing. He's, you know, sometimes 11-11, sometimes not, sometimes with the quarterbacks for drills, sometimes doing rehab work by himself, but he's always thrown. You know what I mean? That's never something that he stopped doing. And I was watching him throw today, and I noticed something in his throwing motion I hadn't seen for all of camp, which was a little bit of like a give, a false step when he was transferring his weight onto that left foot, which is the bad foot, right? And and, and I can't emphasize enough, I get to watch Carson Wentz for five minutes a day. So I, this is the only information that I have. Obviously, I'm going to make assumptions based off of it because it is the only information that we have. Like, it's all the only thing we can use to make deductions here. But, you know, I have a very limited sample size, number one. And number two, I don't think that's inherently a bad thing. It's I don't think it's conscious. I don't think it's intentional. I think that it's just a subconscious adjustment to learning how to put weight on a knee that, like, maybe they changed his brace. You know what I mean? Maybe they've opened him up to, like, fully put all of his weight on it in a different way. Maybe it's something about his rehab. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I have none of this background information. All I know is that there is a a give, a little bit of a, a false step, where he goes to transfer weight onto that left foot, and it contacts the ground, and instead of him just planting all of his weight on that foot, he shifts his foot back a little bit more, before he puts all of his weight on it. It's not a 
uh, you don't want to say it's not correct, but it's not what we typically expect from quarterbacks in their throwing motions, right? And it's notable because the guy tore that ACL and he's trying to rehab back from it. So obviously you're going to pay attention. So I'm a little, you know, if, if he's at the point where his throwing motion still isn't normalized, right? Like that little give to me is going to probably affect accuracy because it's changing the way he distributes his weight, which is how a quarterback generates power. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, that makes him to me a little bit more doubtful for week one. I've been, yeah, and you've been vocal that we expect him to be ready for week one because he looks great. This was the first time I, I saw him and I, I could easily figure out that he had been injured based off what was happening. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that there's reason to be shakier on it than we were. But I would still say, you know, clearly he 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 moves incredibly well, uh, and they've said his recovery has been going great. If he's not ready for week one, okay. I don't think we have we have major reasons for like concerns about a setback yet. It just might be that his heroic pace of recovery is not as fast as it could have been. Okay, so like Ben just said, there a hundred percent chance Carson Wentz plays week one against the Atlanta uh, Falcons. Um, I hate doing podcasts. With you. <laughs> I, I just don't the the week thing the week three thing is a little weird to me. I just like where, right. where where's the big difference coming from here? I could see a, a difference between week one and week two just because there's the ten days between uh, the when the Eagles play the Falcons and then they play that on a Thursday and then they play the the um, the Buccaneers ten days later. So like maybe that, but even then, I don't know. Here, I just feel like he's either ready, he's not. I feel like we still haven't learned a lot, honestly. And everyone's like, well, uh, you know, why isn't the team, you know, like why, if, if Carson was ready, we would know by now. I mean, I don't think that's true. I think they want to mm-hmm. play up this competitive advantage angle. Why wouldn't you? It's a an, an extra little factor you have going for you. You can try to make this team, meaning the Falcons, prepare for right. both Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. I mean, why not try to keep that going as long as they can? I mean, I would love it if... They, we didn't know who was starting until uh, we see the players run out of the tunnel or, or the first snap even. So we'll certainly see on that one. Uh, it's kind of just more wait and see. I don't really think we know too much right now. They're Again, they're splitting reps, so they're really preparing both guys at this point, and we'll see how that goes. Um, the other big news from this weekend Ben, is that Corey Nelson, who was invisible for most of the summer until he was in your winner's post from week two. Okay, <laughs> is not that's looking... <laughs> so unnecessary. <laughs> is not looking good. Uh, he was cut. He was cut. It was an obvious decision to cut him. I mean, yeah. they saved a, the, the sixth, potentially, a sixth or seventh compensatory pick. They uh, saved $1 million in cap space, so pretty no-brainer decision what happened ben like what happened to Corey nelson they signed him on the first day of free agency Mm -hmm. and then what okay well firstly i'm going to defend myself uh and then i'm going (laughs) to explain what i think happened with Corey. the reason i put him in the winner's column if you remember was that my justification was that he had done nothing up to that point and he actually did something like i saw him make a couple of plays and i was like hey look Corey Nelson has a beating heart. That's why he made my winner's columns. Let's calm down. Uh, But yeah, he came in. And you would have anticipated, given kind of the narratives around him coming in, he had said previously uh, that he was a little bit upset in Denver because he wanted more playing time. And it was said that Denver's linebacker room viewed him as a potential starter to groom up. 
and now he's coming in here, and then Michael Kendricks leaves, and he's obviously the acquisition. Uh, and of course, coaching staffs are always going to talk up their players that they've been developing. So, oh, Camus Grugier Hill, and we have Nate Gary and whatever. Uh, you know, maybe they can uh, fight for this job. But Corey was kind of viewed coming in as the as the new guy in town, so they went out and got him for a reason. And then he simply didn't even get the looks to 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 be first team. Will it's not like he started there. And he lost it out to Camus and Nate. Nate and Camus have been taking more first-team reps than than Corey Nelson since the beginning. So I think clearly the media drummed up that starter aspect of Corey Nelson's narrative. You know, they weren't tough dots to connect. I don't think they were big logical leaps. It was a very sound assumption that was that was made, but that was clearly not how he was viewed in the building. Like, oh, maybe this can be a dimebacker for us. Maybe this can be a situational player and also a special teams guy. You know, maybe he steps into the more Camus role and Camus steps up into Michael Kendrick's role. But even then, Corey was just simply had no splash plays in camp. He was not providing much to this linebacker room. And I think Jim Schwartz made a good point where he said, Corey's not going to be out in the street long. He's an NFL player. He's going to go to a team that has a worse linebacker situation than us because there are many teams that do. And he's going to stick there and he's going to, uh, you know, uh, provide there. But we we like what we've been developing in the building. We we have a good system in place, you know, with, with our safeties coming down to the box and with our linebackers as we have them. So we added Corey, but we just don't think he's bringing much to the mix. I mean, the fact that they did cut him, before the fourth preseason game, I think is a sign of the fact that they think he can stick somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like he's giving another, they're giving another team the opportunity to have him in the building for a little bit before the 53 man cuts. So I would expect to see Corey stick on a roster somewhere this year. There's no reason to believe otherwise. He just wasn't giving much juice to Philly. Yeah. I think it's between it's giving him another chance. It's also making sure that he doesn't get hurt in the fourth preseason game. And then like, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck with him at that point in terms of his contract and everything and, and counting towards the, the formula and then being the money being guaranteed or having to do an injury settlement. So I think it's kind of both there. I think it makes me wonder if there's a, (laughs) I'm not going to say there's like a divide between the coaching staff and the front office, but you know, he was signed so quickly on the first day of free agency. That makes me Mm -hmm. think that that's more of like a Howie thing, you know, kind of having that relationship with the agent and getting that done real quick and being like, Hey, Jim Swartz, I got you a linebacker. And Jim Swartz ultimately being like, well, this guy isn't actually that good. So yeah. Well, uh, we, but when Jim was asked, you know, like what went into the decision, he deferred it up to Howie and Doug. Well, there you go. Part of that too um, is that Nelson did get a chance in the spring a little bit with the first team, but as you said, we never saw it in the summer. So yeah, clearly you know. not a good sign. He was invisible pretty much for the most part. Like I, you couldn't even remember he was on the team. So you, you talked about it when nothing else was going on. Like you turned to the beat next to you and be like. Hey, remember Corey Nelson's on this team? Like, you know, it was like it was like a fun little discussion to have. Like, I wonder where he's been. For sure. And even doing 53-man roster projections, like I would just leave him off and forget to like write about him, why he wasn't there. And people would be like, hey, aren't you forgetting Corey Nelson? And be like, oh, yeah, I am. But I didn't mean <laughs> to put him on here. So when we're talking about the fringes of the roster, we have to talk about a situation, Ben, that we have not talked about all summer. Chance Warmack. We can finally address this topic for the first uh, wait, time. Okay, when you say we have we haven't talked about this all summer, you mean like <laughs> on the pod or like in a post. No, we because, did talk about it last week, so Yeah. The first thing we bonded on, like, you know, just chilling and chatting in camp was like, hey, you hate Ch- you hate Chance Warmack? Guess what, man? <laughs> I also hate Chance Warmack. So it is said from Albert Breer in uh, the Monday Monday morning quarterback today that he is one player among a bunch of different various offensive linemen of backup types who are available. And being that there is a need for offensive linemen in the NFL, 
I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Eagles, like just anything. It really, it, you give him, if you get a conditional seventh round pick for Chance Warmack, you save an extra 500K. You you save 1.65 total, I believe it is. So it just seems like a no-brainer to me. And who knows? Maybe they can get something better because when you think about it, they got a conditional seventh for Alan Barber. And that was after they kind of unofficially cut him and the Broncos came in. And that pick could, I don't know. We don't know yet what that pick is exactly that they gave up to trade up for Jordan Mailata, but that might be one. So that'd be kind of funny if they ended up turning Alan Barber into Jordan Mailata. And then on the flip yeah. side, you have um, they traded Matt Tobin last year. Matt Tobin. I couldn't even believe that you could get anything for Matt Tobin. They gave up a seventh and Matt Tobin to Seattle to get a fifth. And they ultimately undid that trade and then attaching Marcus Johnson to it to get Michael Bennett. So, I mean, like maybe they can get something. I don't Maybe you can get a six for Chance Wormack, Ben. What are they going to get for Chance Wormack? Right. Tell me right now. Here's what, okay, they're going to exchange, like, a fifth for a six, like, a fifth for a seventh. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's like, seven or a six plus Warmack for, like, a five. Here's the thing when it comes to trading Warmack. He's not good, and he's never been good, and whatever, da, da, da. One, offensive line play in the NFL sucks. Two, the grass is always greener somewhere else. Three, Warmack's been with Jeff Stoutland, which means he's probably better than he was when he busted in Tennessee, right? right. Like you can you can sell that because Stoutland's the man. And then four, the king, like you know, the most important point. Howie's just really good at this, right? Like, this is just what <laughs> Howie's good at. Like, like at the end of the day, and Howie we trust, right? But I think that that point that offensive line play is just generally bad. Like if you look at that Albert Breer report, right? Who could be moved? It's an offensive tackle, an offensive tackle, a guard, and a center. Like, those are among the names he's heard. Mm -hmm. Clearly, teams are out there looking for better offensive line play, right? Like, these are the the, the players that people think can potentially hit the market and it can be successful. So, that is always going to be inflating the price of these offensive linemen. You Like, you know, those two you brought up, you know, the Eagles have been trading a a ton of offensive linemen recently. These second stringers on their team, that's been something they've been doing for a couple of years because they know that teams will always be interested in that. So if they can move on from chance, that's a big get. The nice thing, and and, and I'll I'll pose it to you in a question, BLG. If the Eagles move on from Chance Warmack, if they are able to trade him, does that guarantee Jordan Mailata a 53-man roster spot? I think he has to be on right now, right? I mean, like, there's right. no way. I think at this point, he has shown enough where you can't risk losing him. Like, it's just not worth that risk. I mean, you, you traded up for him. I know it wasn't a ton, but you still did. So you gave up some extra investment to go up and get him. He is drawing crazy praise right now. Brian Baldinger is out here saying that he's yeah. like light years ahead but it's not even just like look baldy is gets very hyperbolic i like to call him hyper baldy when he does that <laughs> um but our good friend tommy lawler who is not hyperbolic and is very rational <laughs> from eagles blitz like even he is comparing jordan mylata to like just watching this film and then saying that reminds me of jason peters and that is not something that tommy lawler just says like he's it's not just like right. he's a guy who throws that out there like just willy nilly like that is a very high praise so i mean right. to to see the kind of progress he has made and then to watch those cutups i mean this is your guy ben you did the story on this guy he has to be on the roster at this point yeah i, I would anticipate him being on the roster a, a note on peters and the important thing to remember and 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 Tommy, if I remember the the post correctly, which I believe I do, and even if I hadn't read it, I would just trust Tommy implicitly in this regard, did a wonderful job 
being very clear about what the comparison was in regards to Mylotta and Peters, but it's worth reiterating every time we bring it up, which is simply this. Jason Peters played at the University of Arkansas, was recruited as, as a defensive tackle, uh, moved to tight end, jumped around, uh, you know, confusing, uh, undrafted in 2004. Okay, now he's going to be an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, Buffalo, he was on a practice squad his first year, right? The same way we kind of anticipated Mylotta might be. So, so Peters, what kept him afloat for those early years was how unbelievably athletic he was for his size and how unbelievably he moved at his size. And, and, and then... That's what, you know, teams see the long-term projection there, what you could possibly do if you put it all together, because you already have such an inherent, unteachable skill in that regard. And then what makes Peters a Hall of Famer? What makes Peters such an interesting story and such a great guy to cover is the fact that he pulled it off when so many other players have tried to make transitions like this and failed to, right? Let's not forget, we have a defensive tackle convert offensive tackle on the (laughs) roster it's taylor hart right taylor hart's not that athlete but then even on top of that what peters has done in regards to uh being able to work his technique and to learn the intimate parts of playing offensive tackle i mean that's highly highly irregular so when we say my lotta reminds us of peters which is not difficult to say i was saying this during camp my lotta looks like somebody took a tight end took him into photoshop zoomed him to 150 and then put him back in the real world like he's 340 or something and he's stacked he's you can see his muscles that's so irregular like that's not human that's alien that's predator that's nonsense (laughs) but that's the comparison and that's all it is right now it's a comparison to first year second year practice squad with the buffalo bills x tight end long shot jason peters because of the movement skills and the ceiling it's nowhere near the technician not even imaginably close to the technician we've seen so that's that's that emphasis has to be made whenever that because the the soundbite you know peters to uh, my lot is a great soundbite it's a great quote but we need to be able to calibrate expectations in that regard that being said i agree with you even before warmack i think you're at the point where yeah my lot and this is the way i like to contextualize it how much worse is my lot than like the average fourth offensive tackle on a roster he is not really that much worse how much worse is he than big v right now ben He's worse. He's 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 markedly worse. Yeah, but how worse. much worse? He's he's comfortably markedly worse than Big B. Where if you told me I had to cut one of them and keep one of them, I'd keep Big B and I'd cut my Lada without hesitating. Right. And you know I don't like Big B, and you know I love my Lada. But there, there's a clear dearth in in technique in that regard. Right. Ask me that question in sixteen months, maybe even twelve. We might be having a different conversation. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, another quick roster thing that we have to mention. Very important. Probably should have led the show with this. Ben, the Eagles signed a guy named Ironhead Gallon. Ironhead. Your reaction? Well, at first, I I was like, you know, the, I saw the press like Eagle sign uh, Deshante Gallon. I was like, oh, it's a pretty dope name. And then I was in, I, we were in the media shack at this time, and I just heard the phrase Ironhead being thrown around a ton. I was like, what is happening? And then I, I received more information, and yeah, indeed, Ironhead Gallon. Do you know, I want to actually, I'm going to see if you can guess, what stood out to me about this signing, Brandon? Do you know? Um, No. All I don't right. have a guess. No, we were chatting about this a couple of days ago. He's from the Southeast. He's Georgia Southern, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, the Eagles, in, in from what I've been seeing, a lot of their late round guys uh, and a lot of their uh, undrafted free agents, Bruce Hector is a guy who's, who's pulled off Chandon Sullivan, so on and so forth. 
Uh, they've got a big a big following from uh, some. Well, Brandon, you know these stats. Who's what's the one school down there? They've got a lot of guys from. Let me you vampire while I look that up. Okay, the Southeast Area Scout was, I believe, Ian Wolking, if memory serves, and Alan Alan Wolking. And he just now got bumped up to assistant director of college scouting. But as of last year, he was still their Southeast Area Scout. I think they like Alan Wolking and the work that he does a lot because over that 2013 to 2017 period that he was the Southeast area scout, they've brought in a lot of talent from that area. And obviously, uh, you know, they've, they've been in the, the, um, West Virginia area a lot as well. And that aspect, which is more like East coast, like, you know, it's not necessarily Southeast, but still, I wouldn't be shocked if the connections there are similar all along that East coast, Georgia, West Virginia. These are places they've been hitting clearly a lot, and I think Alabama has a lot to do with it. Florida State. That's the school they've got a few guys from. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was our big Ironhead Gallon discussion, which I'm sure everyone was waiting for. Um, just want to touch on one more thing before we get into some of the off-topic stuff here with the questions and all that, and that is the Odell Beckham Jr. contract is signed. How are you feeling about that, Ben? As this is a top three receiver in the league, you're obviously gonna not you're gonna pay him like he's number one because he's the one in your building. You should have signed him. You know this shouldn't have been as much of a hole blue as it was. He's now signed. We know that Gettleman struggles with vocal, outspoken stars on his team, uh, but they got him to the contract. The we'll we'll know more about the language as it comes out. Max of ninety five mil is interesting to me. Like that it was it was categorized that way. Because we typically don't discuss deals as, you know, $65 million guaranteed, 95 max. Simply we just say it's a $95 million deal, 65 of which is guaranteed. So there might be a lot of escalators in there for performance and for games played and for playoff and what have you, Pro Bowls, yada, yada, yada. But that's all stuff that will come to us in the coming weeks. I don't know. He's a fantastic player who deserved a contract. He got it. I saw there was a little tweet that was, you know, what would you prefer to have? Scenario one, uh, Odell, Saquon Barkley, and Eli Manning at his $23 million cap hit. Or B, uh, Beckham, Sam Darnold, and then $23 million to go sign whoever you want. And, of course, that just goes back to the point that the Giants should have drafted a quarterback. But, you know, yes. beyond that, you can't say this is a bad move for the Giants. I have a couple thoughts on Odell Beckham. Uh, first of all, he has his best numbers against any team, against the Eagles, of course. Um, so that's unfortunate but i will say that one thing i'm interested to see this year is him going up against ronald darby because we didn't get to see that last year and if i memory serves they had a a good battle back in 2015 when darby was with the bills i'm kind of i'm interested to see that i think they probably have their best chance of covering him now given the corners and the state of that position we have and i mean not that they're going to shut him down but you know what i'm saying just more well equipped than having bradley fletcher and jalen mills last year and you know all everything else they were throwing at odell beckham before and i wanted to share my favorite odell beckham memory which is when i feel like very underrated too when you talk about the eagles 2017 season where Odell Beckham had the best view in the house of Jake Elliott's 61-yard field goal going over his head. I just love the fact that he was back there for that as if he was oh, going to yeah. return it. And then he just looks over it. His, you know, He just watches it go over his head, and he's like, well, that's the season right there. Like That was the end of the Giants season. He got the first-hand, up-close look at it, and I, just, I really like to point that out. I feel like it's very underrated. Do you mm-hmm. have any thoughts on that, Ben? 
Well, no, I think it's great because when you're going back there for a potential kick six, you're definitely psyching yourself up in your head, right? And Odell's probably a guy who, you know, psychs himself up before every play, which is fine. You know what I mean? Uh, And then imagine like a moment you've conceived for yourself, like a mental construction of like an amazing game winning play being robbed away from you by like a 155 pound UEFA rookie kicker who hits a 61 yarder off the street. Like that's ridiculous. And then having Uh, to be in that stadium too. Yeah, just walk it out. But I, um, you're excited for Darby versus Odell. I'm excited for Jalen Ramsey versus Odell because, number one, they've been talking about it for like over a year. And I just want to see it already at this point. But also because I'm a huge sucker for DB smack talk and, and, and foolishness and just general malarkey. And, and did you see what Ramsey tweeted like right after the, the contract? No. Oh, he just, uh, he tweets out, it's going to be a show very soon. Hashtag Batman versus the Joker. <laughs> and awesome. it just, it reminds me of the, uh, you remember the Norman Odell game where they were just like having a street fight yes. after every whistle? Yeah, Odell oh, got suspended man. after that. Yeah, so that's going to be good. That's week one, right? Giants, Jaguars, That's that kicks off the Giants like it's really tough slate of, of games early on in the season, which kind of just cuts back on the idea they're just going to rebound and be this amazing team this year. But Ben, it's time to stop talking about serious stuff. This is a podcast called Off Topic Tuesday After All. So we have some questions here. Naturally, as you may or may not have heard, if the Easter egg is included in this, as soon as I sent out this question on Twitter, notifications just kind of died. So I don't know that I really got as many as I usually would, but we still have a couple here. So we'll answer them and we'll start off with our good friend Thomas Fox underscore fourth on Twitter, who is a very loyal listener of ours. he made, He's the one who made the Photoshop, Ben, of uh, me sitting, or, well, you know, I believe it's Ned Stark sitting on the, the Iron yeah. Throne, and then my face Photoshopped on there. So Was so, he the one who Photoshopped me as Adam and Michael Kist as God? Because I would like to talk to whomever did that. Uh, we, I don't know if we know who did I don't know who did that. Someone Kist did, did that. and he won't tell me. Oh, man. This, see, this is some, some secret pod stuff, podcast stuff going on here. Ben, we're, we're starting off with uh, the question is, each of you name your favorite horror film. Ben, do you have a favorite horror film? I have one horror film that I like. What is and it? It's called Bereavement, and I have no idea what happened in it, but I know that it was on in David Stewart's basement when I was in like sophomore year, and I was sitting in a chair with Miranda Powers, and she was freaking out a little bit, so we got to cuddle, and that was a pretty good moment for me. And this is the only opinion I have on horror films. They freak me out. I hate them. I never go to see them. I am with you on that one, Ben. I am not a horror film guy at all. I just can't do it. I had to gas up and be super like, oh, man, this doesn't faze me at all. <laughs> of course. But in my head, I was like, somebody please kill me. This is the worst thing in the world. I would say the scariest I go is about uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Because I am I was born in October. I'm a big like uh, fall guy. Like Halloween and all that, so I like. Are you getting excited for pumpkin spice, Brandon? Are you? Can you feel the winds changing? Are you watching the leaves? I uh, look. It's my favorite time of year. I don't think I, I get excited about pumpkin spice specifically, but I do get <laughs> excited about pumpkins and the leaves changing. Yeah, I do, and the weather actually being the the greatest it is all year in the fall. So this is true. I, I love the fall. Next question comes from another. Great friend of ours, Stephen McDonald. He's on Twitter at underscore SP McDonald. Are Brazilian steakhouses overrated, Ben? What? He's asking. Okay. What? 
Are Brazilian steakhouses overrated? We're have speaking. We're talking. No, we're we're, we're talking. Have I ever heard of Fogo de Chao? I once tried to take over a Fogo de Chao. They had to okay. physically remove me from the Fogo de Chao. You just get you you you. They just bring you meat. You sit, and meat comes to you, and and that's acceptable, and it's it's welcomed, and it never stops. If you don't want it to stop, are they overrated? Everything should be a Fogo de Chao. This building I'm currently in should be a Fogo de Chao. The Lincoln Financial Field should be a Fogo de Chao. Brandon's house should be a Fogo de Chao. I'm a by the question ring the bell ben because i am not the biggest steak guy as i discussed last week on off topic Tuesday oh, i don't hate it uh i've gone to a steakhouse with my good friend Stephen mcdonald asking here and of course ll Poborski and james seltzer as well we had a, we had a great time i loved it but look if it's up to me it's always pizza, man. It's always pizza. Listen, we're not gonna we're not gonna discuss everything this right now. Else. I can't so, do this with you. It's always pizza. Pizza is always the answer. We're gonna move on. Pizza's very good. Other things are also very good. We're gonna move on because I know this is very controversial. I know people are getting mad right now. I know Ben is getting mad right now. So I won't make him suffer with it too much longer, but he just has to know that pizza is always the answer. I can't believe somebody asked if Brazilian steakhouses are overrated. Steven's a great guy. Don't don't mess with Steven. Is he is he is he like a, a a regular sized human? Is he like is he a big dude? He is he is a big he's bigger than you, Ben, which is not okay. saying much. I was but gonna it, I was gonna tell Steven. You that don't want to fight, fight him, but yeah, we're not gonna fight. Never mind. <laughs> Jeff Risden, a mutual friend here. What Eagles player is most likely to show up at a between the buried and me concert? Ben, do you know what this question is even asking? Between the Buried and Me is an American progressive metal band <laughs> from Raleigh, North Carolina, formed in 2000. Um, my answer is Lane Johnson because Lane was a grave digger in high school. Oh my gosh, and yeah. so he's familiar with the Buried, and I'm assuming he's familiar with himself. I don't know if he's and, a metal guy, though. Like, I feel like he's more of a country guy. You okay, know? but can you identify a metal guy in the Eagles locker room for me? I was, I was trying to think Joe Walker because of the hair, you know, but I don't... Uh, Okay. I don't know if that's accurate. There has to be at least one. You know what's really weird? And this is a, a favorite fun fact on BGN Radio episodes of Lore, was that Kenyon Barner was a big Nickelback fan. So, like, sometimes you just don't know. Like, it's just, you get a surprise answer. Um, who knows? Maybe, like, DeAndre Carter really loves them. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe Joe Callahan. I could see Joe Callahan going to I that kind of concert. I could see Cameron Johnston being a low-key metal fan. I could see that, too. Did you see Cameron Johnston get flamed by his wife yesterday? I did. That's that was stuff. killing me. That's uh, That should boost his stock. That should help him make the team. Having a, a very funny wife on Twitter, you know, I think that really adds to the value and also of Cameron Johnston. And also the fact that he he likes to send five puppy videos a day because that yeah. means he's a very relatable person of the proletariat, of the a man of the people, because I also send five puppy videos a day to my significant other. So. Ben, do you have high hopes for season three of True Detective? This question comes from our good friend, a lot of good friends with questions in here, uh, at N. Dutton. 13 he's our friend neil dutton do you have high hopes for season three of true detective did you even watch any of the first two true detectives that actually that depends what is true detective ben you do not know what true detective is well let me tell you it is a hbo series um the first season everyone loved it for the most part really really good uh, Matthew McConaughey. It's produced by Matthew, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. I'm very intrigued already. Yeah, it was really good. Um, it's an anthology, so you know every season is like a different yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, it doesn't carry over there. Uh, season two was not as good. I still watched it, and you know, I I didn't hate it. 
I, I, I liked it enough to still watch it. But season three, um, it looks like it could be a good one. Yeah. So I personally... Well, they, got Mahir- my God, they got Mahershala Ali, yeah? Yes, exactly. Okay. Well, I think, yeah, I think going from Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn to Mahershala Ali <laughs> is, is a step in the correct direction. So my hopes are higher for season three than they were for season two you based solely it. on this proprietary information. You should go back and watch season one and then see, you know, and then maybe just skip right to season three because I think this one's going to be good. I think they heard all the criticism over season two and are like, all right, we have to get this one right. So I think they're going to get this one right, hopefully. So I do have high hopes for this season because I like True Detective. Um, this one comes from our friend at S. X R I C, which I believe it's Lonus, right? Am I am I making that up here? Um, anyway, it is. If you had to eat the food from one animal for the rest of your life, what animal would you choose? And yes, this is Lonus. Oh, I think that's a very that's a very smart question. I like that. Right. So, like instinctively, I would say a cow because then I get milk, right? And like that's that's a two for one. That's so. drinking food, though, right? And then this specifically well, okay. says eating food. Here's my question: What other what what supplies more than one food per thing, animal? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a really good question here. Uh, man, I think pig comes to mind though for me first thing. I know I, the, the milk thing is you don't like point. steak because you're broken inside. Exactly. Well, I mean, I don't agree with that part. But the, <laughs> the, the, the first thing, yes, I think. But just like bacon and I, I got, you know carnitas. And just all the other, like pork, all the other, there's so many things you can do that are good. Oh, I mean, I just, I got to go pork. So you're, I'm going with pig. You're going with cow. I think those are pretty much like the, the, the main answers you would get. I mean, who else is? Goat. Yeah, I don't, man. No. <laughs> no, not an acceptable answer to me. Um, our good friend, another good friend at Niels Rosenquist, a, uh, who contributed a great piece to bleeding green nation leading up to the super bowl him being in boston territory about patriots fans uh niels asked what were your best and worst memories of playing organized sports i imagine there are some good blg hoop stories at a minimum ben do you have any sports stories no wait you were referenced man you got to take it away that's this is you you go first oh man you had to make me do it um i feel like i i don't have a lot of great stories on the top of my head, uh, I'd really have to rack my brain more for this one, and I maybe that's something I'll do. Niels, I'll come back to you on a future episode when anyone and probably yourself won't even care about the question anymore. But uh, I think I'll have a good answer for you later. I know that's not going to do right now, but I, I can't think of anything that was super great. Yeah, I can I can give you time. Uh, I don't have time, Ben. I just I I can't. Oh, you just think, don't have I, any. I legitimately, ones. Okay. my head is blinking on this. I know it's just it feels like it's forever ago now. Um, I was really tall. I mean, that was that was something obviously that was happening. <laughs> That's it. No, I just I can't. I'm just. It's, it feels like it's just been so long ago, and I haven't thought about it in in so long. I, I got to give this one more thought to give it a real good answer. All right, my I'll start with my good one. Actually, I'll start with my bad one. And I'll go with my good one. My bad one like actually counts. My good one isn't really. So my bad one is I was a, a cross country runner in high school, and I was a pretty good runner. Uh, and I could have made states. Uh, I had the times in the state that I should have qualified, but I'm not a clutch person. Like I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, like working under a deadline or whatever, but when it's just like, you know, oh, it's the big moment, I freak out a lot and I'm not, I'm not good in those situations. And so I lined up for that district meet. I was just, I was favored to take first in the district, you know, with, with times over the season. And I just remember standing at that line and just like my stomach was turning and I was sweating like cold, like, you know, shaking with wasn't feeling good. I came out of that line and 
within like a hundred meters, I was like, I'm not going to do well in this race. And I probably still could have done fine. But once that creeped into my head, you know, I was, I was, you're already done just mentally. So I took ninth and eight went to States. And I think honestly, I probably even could have taken eighth at the end, but I already like had beaten myself up mentally so much that I was just like, I didn't even want to, you know what I mean? So that was a rough race. And then I ended up getting injured before my senior year and I can never make it back. Uh, and that was frustrating. because I always wanted to go to States. Uh, that's my bad one. My good one is when I was in sixth grade, Brandon, and I was playing little league and I sucked at baseball. I was so bad. Um, <laughs> I couldn't hit worth a lick. I was tiny. I played second base. I was like a decent fielder, but I didn't have the arm to play anywhere else. So second base it was. Um, we were playing Why Am I? I was on Michael Baxter. And it was the bottom of the sixth. And we were down by one. And there was a runner on second. And TJ Backer was pitching. And TJ Backer is now a walk-on at Temple, I think, for football. Um, but anyway, and he was a really good pitcher in like sixth grade. And everybody knew that I was up and they knew that I was going to get out. And the entire team was like, oh, this sucks. This is the worst. Ben's going to get out. We're going to lose. And I hit the longest base hit of my entire life, which was a single, right over the second base bag. And I couldn't believe it. Like, it popped right over TJ. I, I, I don't even like remember the hit. Like I closed my eyes probably. And it popped right over the second base bag. Our, our guy on second got home. I got to first. And then on the subsequent three pitches, I did the one thing I did well in baseball. I stole bases. So I stole second, I stole third, and then the next pitch went haywire, and I stole home, and we won. Damn. And it was the greatest sports moment of my life, and everything in sports was downhill for me from there, sixth grade. <laughs> That's the story. That's a great story, Ben. I thought of a couple. Uh, very briefly, the, the the worst one, easily, was when I tore my ligament playing flag football. I mean, Oof. like, how do you even do that? I mean, like, real players are playing football, and they're not doing that. And I did it playing flag football, so that is, that is terrible. Um, and it sucked. It was a pretty long recovery there, like a good, I don't know, six, seven months. So did that in freshman year of high school. That wasn't fun. Uh, one of the best, I would say, uh, was when it's kind of a random one, but there was this game we played up in, uh, I think like Hunterdon and it was a decent amount of way. It was about like a, a 40, 50 minute drive or so in New Jersey there where, I was stuck sitting on the bus next to one of my assistant coaches, like, cause I think we had all three teams, like the freshman and the JV and the varsity on one bus somehow. And it was just like way too packed. And I was just so frustrated because I was like, I'm a big person. It's hard enough for me to sit in a bus seat without my knees, you know, mm -hmm. touching the front of the seat. Like it's just so uncomfortable already. And then I had to be smushed in there. And I think I was just so frustrated by game time. And this was like a scrimmage, too. It wasn't even a real game. It was a scrimmage. And I was just, I think I was more intense possibly for this game than any other game of my high school career. Because I was just so pissed off about the seating situation. I wasn't mad at my coach. I was just pissed off about the situation. And I remember specifically going out to block this kid who we all thought looked like Wolverine at right before <laughs> halftime. And I blocked him and I just stared him down for like a good 10 seconds after it. And <laughs> as the half expired and my whole team was like, dude, what guy in the Brandon? Because <laughs> it was just like way too intense. So I can I can envision a good BLG stare down like that leer <laughs> down from up there. Like I, that, that makes me quiver in my boots. But it wasn't a like a, a, it was a serious stare down. It wasn't like me being just, you know being funny or something it was it was really serious so that's one of the the good ones did i feel you, like did you I flex the to, shoulders a little bit did you roll the shoulders what you gotta do man didn't maybe i think i kind of just like i don't think so i just i just held my pose and i stared at him but i kind of had like my head tilted up a little bit like 
<laughs> as to challenge him to be like, who do you think you are trying to shoot on me? So Yeah, let's go, uh, BLG. What's up? Yeah, that was a good moment. We're, we'll wrap up with these final two here because we're going long. Uh, at James Wells underscore 91 asks, pancakes versus waffles versus French toast. Who wins? I mean, like all three. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say no to anything. You have to pick one. Let's say probably, you had to pick one. Right, like, so you're going out to order something. What do you pick? waffles. But not because uh, I have to, like, pick out, like, you know, when I go to order. But rather because I I have a Captain America waffle iron. And so it makes the waffle with, like, the star and the shield. I love Captain America. That's pretty awesome. And then I put strawberries and blueberries for the colors. And I put whipped cream. And it's a, it's a great waffle eating experience. I love a good pancake with... You get these at the Shady Maple Smorgasbord out in Lancaster. Pancake with chocolate chips and peanut butter chips. Man, so good. No. I mean, like that, you know, I'm never going to say no to that. Not once. Yeah. I mean, I like all three of these things as as you do. But I would, I think, and if we're ranking them, I might have to go, man, I might have to go pancakes, French toast, waffles. One, two, three. I respect it. All right. So our final question before we wrap up here is from at N underscore Ryan Humphreys. And he asks, what is your favorite non-traditional ice cream flavor? So we'll start with that one. It's a two-part question. Ben, what is your favorite non-traditional ice cream flavor? I mean, it's it's difficult to uh, to hash out what traditional is. I suppose I used to work in, in an ice cream hole, you know, in high school, or whatever. So I'm a big rainbow sherbet guy. Love sherbet. Think it's delicious. Um, but like traditional ice cream, I'm a, a black raspberry flavors with the chocolate chunks inside of them. I think are also very delicious. So I would say those two are like I don't know if sherbet is untraditional if that counts, but those would be my two. Yeah, is French vanilla a traditional flavor? I mean, I mean, how distinct is it from regular vanilla? Right. I just like chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Like, that's my favorite flavor. So I'm going to say that I don't, uh, is that traditional? I don't know. But it is my favorite. I like a good pumpkin ice cream in the fall. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, pumpkin ice cream is delicious. So I guess that's non-traditional. I don't know. Too too hard of a question, Ryan. But the second part is, does BGN Radio have an official dessert? I'm going to say we do. I'm going to declare cheesecake the official dessert. Wow, of BGN just unilateral Radio. decision. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm pulling rank here and I'm saying that's our official dessert. How do you feel about it, Ben? You're going to hear zero complaints from me. Cheesecake is delicious. When my father was a younger man, a more fit man, I would say, he used to bake cheesecakes all the time. Do you bake cheesecakes? I don't know. Prepare them, make them. We would have homemade ones all the time. Oh, you bake them. And then my father got older and less healthy and had to stop making. Uh, cheesecakes but uh breaking news the eagles waved anthony mahungu oh my gosh With re-record the podcast, the podcast. <laughs> put it back in the front uh very not surprising he did not have a good summer i remember one day specifically he dropped three passes uh again one of your favorite players from camp so just not is, not a very good summer for you um you uh, know who you know who moves nicely and i'd love to see on the practice squad who's that is that Philadelphia's soul kid they brought in the Tayshawn Darius Prince. Prince. Darius, Darius Prince. Prince. Yeah, um, he didn't play college no. football. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm. That's one of the players I'm like legitimately most interested to see on Thursday night. Right. I mean, like this thing is like I currently have zero information on off of him except for like the 12 minutes cumulative of drills I've watched. But like he's got a Mohungu esque frame, but he's a, a markedly better mover. Right. Like, he's got much better body control, which is really nice to see. So yeah, that's that's how that's how we bring off topic Tuesday back around to on topic Tuesday to finish things off. All right, so that just about does it. It was a, a way longer episode than either of us expected, I'm sure, but it was good. It was fun. Uh, we will catch you later this week. We have 
a show. You and Mike are doing a show, right? Soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking like, you know, some sort of preseason nonsense. I think we're doing like some regular season predictions, that sort of stuff. Cool. So we'll have that. And then we'll have uh, uh, John Stolness and I will record the BGN Radio episode number, uh, what is it, three now? Four? I can't even remember. Four of the Eagles Jets preview show. So we'll have that coming out later this week. Again, make sure you rate, review, subscribe. It really helps. It's a new feed. We had to start a new feed, so it really helps when you do that. I appreciate it. And I think that just about does it for this episode of Off Topic Tuesday number two. We'll see you later this week. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.